everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Hadley Chloe, transcendent jewelry designs for the modern bohemian woman and one of my absolute favorite lines of jewelry. If you want to style yourself with confidence, look amazing, and free your style, then Hadley can definitely help you. As a professional jeweler, Hadley has an incredible eye for detail and a heart for enriching the lives of women through innovative jewelry designs and virtual styling services. Shop HadleyChloe.com to look amazing, feel confident, and free your style. Hadley Chloe, C-H-L-O-E dot com. Well, today it is my honor to sit down with Holly Girth. I love that Holly describes herself this way. I like humans, words, and good coffee. My grandparents owned a little Christian bookstore in Texas. I had a good childhood, bad bangs, and spent a lot of time reading in trees. I grew up to be a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, a life coach, and podcaster with a master's of science degree in counseling. I've spent the last decade empowering about half a million people to realize more of their God-given potential through books like You're Already Amazing, Fierce-Hearted, and The Powerful Purpose of Introverts. I know what it's like to fight anxiety and depression, perfectionism and insecurity, doubt and burnout. I also know what it's like to become a kick-butt overcomer who refuses to let any of those things win, who finally discovered how to be comfortable and free in her own imperfect introvert skin. Welcome, Holly. I'm so honored that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be with you. Well, I just finished reading your latest book, The Powerful Purpose of Introverts, and we were chatting prior that I've always categorized myself as an extrovert, but you are challenging my thinking and just my approach to it all. And I really want to get into just digging in to the truths and the insights that are in your book, but I'd love to hear your story. If you can, you mentioned a season that you went through depression and anxiety, and I know that you've discovered how God has even used those dark seasons in your life. And I'd love to know kind of just your arc of the story and what led you to be a counselor. Yes. Well, as you mentioned, I'm the granddaughter of Christian bookstore owners. So I grew up dreaming of being a writer. And thankfully that happened. I started out writing for Dayspring Cards when I was in college and then worked for them for about 10 years, stepped out to be a book author about a decade ago and have been doing that ever since. And I have a crazy family story. Mark and I couldn't have kiddos. And so God brought us a 20 year old named Lavelle Hmm. who became our daughter. She's now 27 and is married and has two kids of her own. So I'm also Nana to Eula and Clement. So that story looks nothing like I thought it would. Hmm. And I became a counselor, first of all, to help me as a writer. That was my initial intent was to just be able to go deeper Mm. and have better understanding for the people I was serving. And it has been very helpful for that. I've also, when I was practicing counseling, I saw a lot of women with similar struggles to mine, like you mentioned, depression and anxiety. And that's a part of my story I'm not ashamed of at all. I think it's attached to some of my strengths. I find a lot of people who wrestle with anxiety and depression also have strengths like empathy 
and creativity, insightfulness. And so that has been a perspective shift for me. That's something I once thought I have to get rid of this completely. Mm. Instead, I realized the core parts of who we are on a continuum. And it's more about moving away from the weakness side and toward the strength side. So I feel like that's the journey I've been on as a person and also as an introvert. Hmm. I love that. I love so many things. And as I was reading your book, I realized we have a few things in common. I'm an Enneagram one as well. I'm a recovering perfectionist. So even if I'm an extrovert, I found it interesting that the way we are wired uniquely by God still can have some of the same challenges, no matter whether you're introverted or extroverted. We're both Enneagram ones, but one introverted, one extroverted. And you know, that, that perfectionism can be very crippling and even realizing I need to lead with my strengths. I'm not going to be paralyzed by my weaknesses. So was, was this a progression for you to kind of, and you make a very um, strong statement in, in the book that I just finished reading, which is the powerful purpose of introverts. You said this being an introvert, isn't a struggle. It's your superpower. And I have to be honest, like just for a second, my heart kind of sank when I read that Holly, because I thought, you know, that makes me really sad to think that people who categorize themselves, characterize themselves as an introvert, see that maybe, maybe not themselves seeing it that way, but have felt that others have seen that as a struggle. I would love for you to unpack that a bit for us and, and whether that contributed to any depression and anxiety, or just that it was a process of you realizing how it is such a strength and a superpower to lead with the way God has wired you. Yeah, well, I think a lot of introverts do feel that way. We get told mm-hmm. things like you're too quiet or you need to be more outgoing. I think extroverts can tend to hear you're too loud or settle down, you know? So we all have our signature lies that can try to creep in. And I think for introverts, because our society as a whole is a little more extroverted, even though the population is split about equal 50-50 of each, introverts can think they need to be different. And that was my story, especially when I started publishing books and getting a lot of speaking invitations. I told myself, okay, I have to be more of an extrovert. That just comes with the job. And I pushed myself into burnout, trying to be someone I wasn't. And I remember being at this conference, I'd been the keynote the night before, and in Sunday morning worship, I found myself in tears. And I felt like God was saying, Holly, go home. And I knew he meant go home, get on the plane, go home, take a long nap, which I definitely needed, Hmm. but also go home to who I created you to be. Hmm. And that started a process of realizing that each of us are perfectly designed for God's purpose for our life, Hmm. not anyone else's. So when we compare, of course, it seems like we're not enough, but we can lean into who he made us and it is enough for what he's called us to do. And That's what I learned over the last few years through counseling, through telling my people, hey, I'm not really okay right now, through understanding myself as an introvert more, changing some of my habits, even like exercise and sleep and what I ate. And of course, I still have days where it's a struggle and I slip back into those old thought patterns or unhelpful parts of my life. But I do feel like I've come a long way in accepting who I am as an introvert and even seeing it as a superpower. And so I want my fellow introverts and those who love, lead, or share life with them to be able to go on that journey too. 
I love that. I love that, Holly. I, I just, as a Bible teacher and author, I just, I'm so passionate about seeing, especially women, but anyone who's listening, ground themselves in the word and not the narrative of the world. And the world will try to tell us, be greater than you are, be less than you are, diminish yourself. You're not enough, whatever the lies and the messages. And so I love the power of what you're sharing, which is be who God has created you to be. I was even thinking as you were sharing that, if you just look even at the 12 disciples, you have an assortment of so many personalities, not all extroverts, some introverted, some are quick to speak up like Peter, but some are quieter and need a little bit more, you know, have a different approach and how they're going to be processing the information that they're receiving. And you really help us to define even maybe a, the myth about what we think an introvert or extrovert is defined by on page 18, you say that it really is decided by how we respond to external stimulation. And I had to sit and think about that. So could you expound a bit on what that looks like for us, especially if someone's listening going, I don't know, am I an extrovert, an introvert? I think I'm this, but you you really ask us to, to think about how we respond to external stimulation. Yeah, and so external stimulation is just anything coming at us from the outside. So noise, light, people. <laughs> activity, all of that affects our nervous system. And introverts and extroverts are actually wired in some different ways. One is the neurotransmitter that makes us feel best. For extroverts, it's dopamine, which works kind of like caffeine. It revs us up, prepares us for action. It's released when we have a lot coming at us from the outside, associated with our reward network. And introverts have a level of dopamine that already feels pretty good. And so we don't have as much of a need for all that external activity. Instead, we feel our best through a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine that I say works more like herbal tea. So it relaxes us. It's released when we turn inward, do meaningful work, have a deeper conversation with one person. And so that's one big difference. Our, we have two sides of our nervous system that work in a similar way, sympathetic, parasympathetic. One rubs us up, one relaxes us. You can imagine which goes with which. <laughs> and then even our primary brain pathways that we use for processing. Extroverts use a shorter, faster brain pathway that's more focused on the present. That's why extroverts are great at that quick back and forth style of conversation. Introverts use a longer, more complex pathway that takes into account the past, present, and future. And so we may need a little more time before we respond, but when we do, we often add things like depth and insight and context to the conversations we're in. So you can see how those two are actually complementary pairings. I think God intentionally created introverts and extroverts mm. and that we are better together. And so introverts and extroverts love people equally. We socialize equally. We just do it differently. And so understanding that, that it's not really about people. It's about how we process our environment. I think that's an important shift for us to make. Mm, and that's powerful. And I think that can help us to understand each other better. My husband and I pastor a church out here near Washington, DC. And so there's such a, it's a multicultural church. It's a multi-generational church. And there are so many different personalities and backgrounds and experiences. So I was reading it even with that lens of how can I have greater understanding of, of men and women who are not necessarily wired by me, but wired in the image of God, uniquely the way he created them to be. Can you give us one more suggestion of how we can be more understanding 
of people, like you said, that are not necessarily wired in the same way as us and see how we complement each other rather than compete with one another? I think one powerful question to ask anytime we find ourselves in a situation with someone different than we are is to first pause and recognize that we're not all the same and that that's God's design. And then ask, how can I love you well right now? Hmm. And listen to whatever that is, even if the answer is very different than what we would say. Because a lot of times our intentions are so good. Like we are just going around loving people the way that we want to be loved. And that's the best we can do without asking a question like that to go deeper. So I think taking some time to be intentional and just say, tell me more about your way of being in the world. And then let's figure out how that can make both of us better and stronger together can be really healing, especially in relationships like marriage or coworkers, or like you said, in the body of Christ, I think that can take us a long way. Mm, that's a wonderful question. That's a great question to ask, Holly. Thank you. I'm curious, maybe because I've been through some health trauma in my own life, and I think I used to enjoy a lot more external stimulation than I do now. I like things to be quieter. I I embrace solitude more than I used to when I was younger. So maybe that's maturity. I know you talk about that in the book, but I'm wondering if it's possible to mask our true identity from pain or trauma. Like, in other words, we push ourselves to be more extroverted, but we're more naturally reserved, or we push ourselves to be more introverted because we feel pressured. Is that possible? And how can we know if we're doing that and get back to more of the core truth of the way God designed us to be? Yeah, well, research does show we become more introverted as we age. We don't necessarily cross that center line and become a different type, but we move that way within our given range. So there is a biological reality to that. But I do think we all at different times try to be someone we're not. I just think that's really human. And I find when I'm doing that, if I can pause and ask, am I doing this out of fear or out of love? that makes a difference. Because when I'm trying to be someone I'm not, it's always about fear. I'm always thinking that my true self is gonna be rejected. And so I need to be more like a person I admire or more of an extrovert or more of something other than who I am. And if I can pause and say, okay, I'm scared right now. And then take that fear to God and say, what's the truth that replaces this fear? Hmm. Like you said, I can do all things through you then I can move forward in who I truly am. And I think it takes practice just over time, first building that awareness of when we're doing it, and then just experimenting with what it's like to live from a place of more vulnerability. And over time, it becomes more natural. But I think that's a universal struggle for all of us. Hmm. We did a study at our, our church team once as a staff. I think we had, I had read a book that talked about being filled and what fills you and what drains you. And it was so interesting to hear how varied our answers were. And the thing that would drain me was the top fill for someone else. And to realize, you know, what they might need the most is a couple of hours off to go be by themselves where someone else might say, give me a gift card and get some girlfriends together. So it goes back to you saying, you know, what would help you to feel, what would love you most and best in this moment, whether it's our children, our spouse, our coworkers, even ourselves to say, what do I need? What am I feeling? Am I, 
am I responding in fear? Because fear is such a powerful motivator, but it's not a healthy motivator at times. So I'm not the counselor, so I don't want to say that wrong. I think it can be a healthy motivator as I'm saying that I'm hearing myself say that, but we don't, we don't want to be living our lives in fear, I guess is what I mean by that. And making decisions just because we think other people want us to live that way or expect us to respond a certain way. Am I saying that right? Or would you have a different approach to that? Yeah, I think you're saying that exactly right. And I think it comes back to first John where we're told perfect love casts out fear. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we grow into. That process isn't complete until heaven, but the more we know we're loved by God as we are, the more we can let go of some of those fears. Mm, That's so good. Now we've talked a little bit about COVID prior before we came on this, this uh, conversation. So COVID has changed so much in our culture, as we all know, Holly, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are from what you're seeing, reading, talking to people about what you think the effect of this long-term change, isolation, a shifted normal that we've all experienced, what effects do you see that having on introverts and on extroverts? Is it the same effect or is it different based on how we're wired? Yeah, it was interesting when the pandemic first started, I did get some messages from introverts saying, this is awesome. Like I get to cancel everything on my calendar. I've never felt so free. And so that was funny. And I experienced a little bit of that too. But then as time went on, I mean, I really miss people. I miss having coffee with people, those meaningful conversations and And so I think the extroverts the same way more that maybe they miss a little more of the activity, the group kind of get togethers than introverts might. But I think all of us are in a place of having a new appreciation of how much we need each other. Hmm. Again, that goes back to being an introvert doesn't mean you're less social or that you need people less in your life. It's just the kind of setting you prefer to connect with them in is probably different. You know, that one-on-one coffee versus maybe a dinner party. And so I hope for all of us, we'll take out of this a new understanding of how we're made to do life together. Mm. And also a new appreciation for the value of solitude, because Mm. we have been able to slow down in some ways that normally aren't possible for a lot of us. And I think there's value in that too. I think introverts can sometimes avoid people. That's a tendency we have. But I found extroverts can sometimes use people to avoid themselves. Mm. And so I hope that this time will balance both types out, that introverts will have more of an appreciation for the time they get with others, and that extroverts will have more of an appreciation for the time when they get to be by themselves. Mm. So so that's my hope coming out of this time. That's so good. I will hope that with you. I was even thinking about different women at the church that I work with or mentor or just even to take out for coffee or conversation and to be more intentional on my part to think, would this woman best enjoy this time in a larger group and a party, or would she best enjoy this time one-on-one over a cup of coffee? Even some women have loved the zoom Bible studies because they are more introverted and they have a sense of connection, but it's, they can control that more and they're not out in public and, and, uh, in, in a large group setting, maybe in that, that situation and other women are craving to be back in person. So it is so different and so varied from person to person. And I think understanding them and, and there's no right or wrong answer to that. It's just what works best for them, how they feel the most loved and most connected. That's a, that's such a great insight for us as leaders in any 
in any field to, to grab a hold of so that we can bring out the best in those that we love and those that, that we work with. Speaking of leadership, you make a really interesting statement on page 74 in your book, Holly, and I'd love to ask you about it. I heard you talk about this on Rebecca Lyons' podcast. You talk about influence and you say this, old influence works like a pyramid with influence condensing and increasing from bottom to top. New influence looks more like a series of connected circles. It is not about having a position of power, but meaningful connections. Can you expound on that? And what helped you to land on that understanding of influence? Yes. Well, I first read a report from Meredith Marketing Group years ago that kind of explained that. And I've just continued to see it, that we used to live in a world where it was all about position and gatekeepers. Like we all got our news from the evening news anchor. And so that person obviously had more influence, but today we're just as likely to get it from our friend on Facebook or Twitter. And of course that comes with challenges, but it also comes with opportunities because like you mentioned, it means that influence happens through meaningful relationships. I mean, if you think about how you found the last book you read or the last recipe you tried, or there was probably a person in your life involved in that in some way, even if it was just through social media. And so I think it's really more in line with how God designed it. If you think about Jesus, he chose 12 men and invested deeply in them. And then they in turn, influenced others and the gospel spread. And I think that's what this type of influence looks like. It's about saying, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. It's mm. about loving well, whoever God puts in my path today and believing that that can have a ripple effect beyond what I can imagine. And so to me, that's reassuring in a world that says big and headlines and get noticed and you know, numbers and followers that can feel like so much pressure, especially as an introvert. And instead saying there's nothing in scripture about quantity of relationships. Mm -hmm. It's all about quality. And today I can focus on who's right in front of me, whether that's my toddler or it's my Bible study group, or it's my neighbor who's having a hard time just asking God, who have you given me the opportunity to love? And knowing that even if it's not as visible, it's still just as valuable. Mm, that's so good, Holly. You know, Jesus modeled all of that. I was thinking as you were sharing that he loved the crowds. He had compassion on the crowds. He didn't avoid them. But then there were times he needed, he needed to get away from them. He needed to have alone time with his father, which he did frequently. That was a pattern for him. And then he had, like you said, those intimate, meaningful relationships with the 50, then the 12, and then just those three that were very close to him and knew him intimately. So I think he models that. There are times we need to be one-on-one. -on -one. There are times he will call us to integrate into a sense of larger community. And then more than anything, we have to make sure we're constantly tethered in that relationship with to, to God and to who he is so that our, our core understanding of our, our makeup and the way God has designed us is grounded in who he is. So thank you so much for everything you shared. I'm going to ask you to, to pray in just a moment, but I would love to ask you to be the one to be the one asking the question for just a moment. So what person in the Bible, other than Jesus, would you most want to have a conversation with when you get to heaven? And what would you like to ask them? I think I would most like to meet Daniel because I think a lot about him in our current culture where he was in the court of Babylon, which was not 
his natural setting. And yet it says he had wisdom and understanding and knowledge plus spiritual discernment, which allowed him to have influence in that place. And so I think I would ask him, how did you see God's hand in unexpected places? Mm. Because probably a lot of the times when he did in his life, he was in a setting where he thought this is the opposite of where ministry is likely to happen. And that gives me courage in a world that's rapidly changing that looks different than it did even a few years ago to say, okay, even if this feels like a foreign place to me sometimes, because mm. so much has changed so quickly, God can still use us right here, wherever we are, that his presence isn't limited, that wherever we are with him can be holy ground. So I think that's what I would like to ask Daniel. I love Daniel and, and I love your insights on him. And he's one of just the most extraordinary Bible characters, we don't really see a flaw. So many Bible characters, we see kind of their, you know, the, the backside of the tapestry, if you know what I mean in that, but Daniel is so consistent. And I think he models a lot of the things that we've talked about today. He was able to serve exactly in the way God wired him. As you were saying that, I remember thinking about the passage where the edicts came down that he could no longer pray and he had to, to, to do things a different way. And it said he got up and he prayed just as he had done before. So that kind of character and integrity is, is something we can all strive to model and to, to dig into what made Daniel so, so extraordinary. So thank you, Holly. Speaking of extraordinary, you are an extraordinary voice in our generation. And I'm for one, so grateful for you and for the understanding that you've helped me to have and, and the beauty of just leaning into the way God has designed us and created us and seeing things that maybe we at first glance have felt like are a struggle actually to see as strengths and as our superpowers. I just love your message. I'm so grateful for you in the body of Christ. So share what, how people connect, connect with you. Most people I'm sure have already heard of you and know who you are, but for anyone, maybe that you are new to them, how can they find you? How can they connect? And is there anything that you'd like for them to know about right now, how they can find your resources, all those good things? Yeah, they can just find me at my website, hollygirth.com. You can find out more about the book we've been discussing, The Powerful Purpose of Introverts, Why the World Needs You to Be You over there. I also have a one-minute quiz where you can find out what percent introvert you are because we all have a little introvert in us. So that's a fun little thing. And I have a podcast also called More Than Small Talk. So I would love to connect with people. Thank you so much. And it's H-O-L-L-E-Y. So if anyone's yes. looking for you, H-O-L-L-E-Y-G-E-R-T-H. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. But thank you, Holly. It's been such an honor to have you as a guest today on the podcast. And I would love to just invite you to close our time together. Is there anything else that you want to share? Or if not, I'll just invite you to pray for our listeners. I'm just grateful for you having me too. So thank you. Thank you, Holly. Lord, I just thank you that you say where two or more are gathered, you're there with them. And I believe that's true, even virtually, that wherever anyone is listening, you're with all of us. And I just thank you that you have created so much variety in the body of Christ, that we are all intentionally designed differently and wonderfully made. And I just pray that you would give us the courage to embrace that, to say like, the psalmist said, I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. And that leads to praise, not to pride. 
I pray that you would use our differences to make all of us stronger, to advance your purposes in this generation, to be able to fully reflect your image in us. And I just thank you for this time together. I thank you for the work you're doing and your invitation to be part of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. Season two is sponsored in part by Worley Dahlberg Yao PLLC. You can learn more about this award-winning law firm at lawfirmvirginia.com. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit angeladonadio.com for books, free goodies, and opportunities to feature your ministry or business as a sponsor. Find me on Facebook at Angela Donadio VOV and Instagram at Angela Donadio, where we do podcast giveaways each month. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's make life matter.